0: to the Doc G Show, I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Say what?
1: Doc, do you know what we were doing on this day three years ago? Mm. This
0: day three years ago. No. Oh.
1: We were at... The Bricks Bar oh, in Jacksonville Beach, yes, where where the legendary night happened, where you joined the Asian. That's crew. right,
0: the Student Asian Association of North Florida. Correct, correct, you sir. Joined it. I did. What? And I'm a, a proud member still. Shout out to Twan, Shout out to Lily. Yes. Shout out. Yes. Uh. And Justin. Yeah. Well, of course, Justin Shout goes out. without saying. But now he's part of the South Florida. Asian coalition, you know, so... That's true. Don't worry, true. we're not warring factions. Nope. We accept all Florida <gasps> Asians. It's okay. War- all of them. <laughs> yes, it's fine. I know there's an Asian living in Florida right now that's like, what the hell? He's Why does they come? Why is he saying... Why am I still- <laughs> Don't worry, I'm an honorary member, guys. It's fine. Honorary. It's fine. I saw that, by the way. I saw Taylor's uh, picture of that of, yep. of,
1: it popped up on my stuff the, today the too. bricks so night like oh i was like, I was like what, a, what a great time what a
0: young precocious guy i was look at what? me i'm so young and yeah, precocious. that beard was
1: m- much smaller
0: ah, it looked much less old and haggard um <laughs> de- so many years of wear i attire. know <laughs> three it's sad it's sad. it's like the show is the presidency and it's worn me down it's just been so tough producing the show.
1: Gosh. Just grinding.
0: Ah. <laughs> That's bad. Dave. We've had some pretty big news while in quarantine. I mean I think so true. I think the listeners remember Ben Affleck's love life. I think we all remember that. Mm-hmm. That was pretty amazing. Hard to news. Forget. Uh Tom Brady going to Tampa. Wow. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow that was
1: sucker there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well I've got some more earth shattering news that the world needs to I know. I don't know if we're ready, man. Nope. Dave, um do you remember Polly D of the O's? DJ
1: Polly That's D? That's correct. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes.
0: From of course the spectacular show Jersey Shore. Yes. Oh yeah. Um Polly D has made some of the biggest news of the past month. Wait, what? Dave, you, you remember how you lost your beard. It was tragic. Uh
1: oh, man. You're still holding Did he lose his hair? No.
0: Polly D oh. has gained oh. a beard. Yes.
1: Really? Yes. Thanks he gained the beard I lost. Yeah.
0: Thanks to the always stellar reporting at US Weekly, I now know that Polly D has grown what he has labeled a quarantine beard. That's right. <laughs> That's right. A quarantine beard for Polly D. Yes. I need to see this. I, I, I know what all listeners uh, out there were thinking. They were wondering this whole time during this pandemic, what are the cast members of Jersey Shore doing? Well, mm. now it has been answered. They are doing important stuff like growing
1: beards. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Now, dude, that is beard that's like <laughs> a couple of days beard. Goodness gracious. <laughs> that's uh, I didn't want
0: to throw shade on Polly D's beard. It's not the strongest beard as you just pointed out. It's uh, it's uh like like when I first heard this news, I I was probably like yourself, Dave. I was thinking like lumberjack beard.
1: Like Yeah, that's what I was hoping. I mean, You know, you've had six weeks to grow a beard. Yeah, I was... We both know how far six weeks can go with beard.
0: I was expecting, like, Rip Van Winkle, James Harden beard type stuff. yeah. And then... Right. This looks like a beard Dave would grow about two hours after shaving. It's pretty much... Literally. (laughs) (laughs) That's five o'clock shadow. (laughs) It's not like... and, And then I gotta admit, those tricky journalists... They really threw me because their title was "Whoa!" exclamation point. Jersey Shore star Polly D is unrecognizable with quarantine beer. What? And I was <laughs> and I was like, "What? I gotta see if I can recognize him." And I I went to this page and I was like, "You know what?"
1: That clickbait man. I was
0: like, "You know what? I do recognize him." I. I recognize him right there. Like, it's yes! it's basically as hard as recognizing him as if he put on a pair of sunglasses. It's not too <laughs> hard to be like, yeah, that's him. I got it. Like, it's just, no oh, man. I will say, too, out of the Jersey Shore fellas, Polly D seems to be, like, the least equipped to be building a strong beard game. That's a fact. You know? Just by like overall furriness and whatnot. I know those guys do a Mm -hmm. lot of like manscaping and whatnot, but you can tell Mm -hmm. the other fellas. I mean, Ronnie, the situation, Vinny, they all seem like furry people. They, yeah, they seem pretty furry.
1: Polly does not seem furry in the slightest. Nope. Like, no, he seems like that guy that's always like. No chest hair. He seems like, like the guy nothing. that irks
0: me, yes. That I'm just like, what?
1: It's just not in his genetics.
0: you. You look so smooth <laughs> and clean at the pool. What? Girl, come on. Ah, jeez. I'm over here being the furry animal, and you're just clean. Ah, oh, man.
1: Anyways. Like, I am jealous of that at times, but then there's times where... We can grow our beard, and they can't, the, you know?
0: The beard is the the big trade-off there. The beard is the big trade-off. That's, uh, right. yeah, I, it's it's very important. Uh, now, I, I was thinking about this, about Poly growing his beard, and I think I need, I think I know what needs to happen. I think the rest of the crew needs to grow a beard. They need to have a beard off. Yes! Like, Oh,
1: that's a good idea. All
0: other Jersey Shore cast members, Ronnie, Situation, Snooky, Vinny, they all need to grow beards. Snooky, <laughs> Yeah, just throw her in there, too. I'm sure she can grow one. It's fine. Nope. And then we'll we'll vote on who has the best beard. It'll be good, clean, quarantine fun. You know? Mm. Think so. In the meantime, while their beards are growing, you want to fire
1: the show up? Mm. Let's fire it up, man.
2: Oh up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift
0: off! Woo, Dave. Oh, my gosh. I'm really jazzed. I'm jazzed about the guest today. South Carolina's own Justin Osborne, lead singer and creator of Susto. Say what? Oh, my gosh. And the songs we got today, oh, big fan. That's right. Big fan, Dave. I mean, Jaw oh, Works, yeah. Weather Balloons, Daniel, the old uh, Elton John song, Daniel. He redid it. Yes! Awesome. Mm. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah.
1: Some of his best, man. They're good. They are good. We're gonna enjoy jamming out to them. Yeah. Let's listen to some of their music. Yeah. Yeah. But 1st going gotta start where we start. Birthday suit. Oh yeah.
3: Happy birthday.
0: Uh, Dave, this one you've got. Um, born on April 29th, 1954 in New York City. Our birthday suit Where grew up uh, in, uh, well, was born in Brooklyn, but grew up in Long Island. Raised in Long Island. His dad served in World War II and used to tell him jokes that he had heard during the war. Hmm. Gotta be honest. i uh-huh. <laughs> really wonder how many jokes are being passed around in
1: war. Yeah, pretty (laughs) bad. I don't... I mean... Uh, Slippery slope I guess you
0: do what you can when you're in war, but I would be a little bit more worried about dying than telling jokes. I don't, you know... (laughs) It's just me. That's why I'm not set up for war. But anyways, our birthday suit wearer uh, ended up going to Queens College for a degree in communication... While there, he developed an interest in stand-up. In 1981, he made an appearance on The Johnny Carson Show, which he used to gain even more success. And in 1987, he had a one-hour special on HBO. So true. He then made a sitcom with Larry David, and the show was picked up by NBC. By its third season, it was the most watched show in America. Wow. Wow. The last show was in 1998, and it is still one of the most popular syndicated reruns on TV. In 2012, he made an internet series called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. Mm. Since starting it, he's had Barack Obama on the show, David Letterman, Mel Brooks, uh, Chris Rock, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, and much, much more. Name that birthday
1: suit wearer. Hmm. Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld is correct. Yes, let's indeed. go. It was the getting
0: coffee. Yeah?
1: That's how I do it. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I mean, it's a pretty popular series now. You know, moved over to Netflix. I like watching them. Yes! you know, I've I like it too. I've liked the uh, the. I mean, the Barack Obama one was pretty sweet. I enjoyed that one. Yeah, and the solid. the the Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's always a good a good interview. Love some Dave Chappelle. Oh, he's fantastic, yeah. man. He's fantastic. But, so true. Uh, you know, Jerry, he did it, man. Seinfeld. I still watch Seinfeld reruns all the time, man. Love it.
1: Dude, I love all it. my coworkers, they'll, like, say in Seinfeld things, and I'm like, eh, I was too young for Seinfeld.
0: Well, I mean, it makes sense. It ended in 98. Come on. I mean, yeah. you know. But, I mean, at the same time, they, they rerun those things. I mean, that's the thing. I've noticed. Oh,
1: yeah. You can literally watch Seinfeld any day of the week. It's always on. Well,
0: but, like, that's the thing I've noticed is, like, the, the kids, the kids these days, Word. the 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 mm-hmm. the, Z-bos, the Generation Zeebos, yeah. they they really picked up on Friends not so much on on Seinfeld. Nope. Like mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. my all students on campus love Friends. Seinfeld,
1: right. not so much.
0: I don't know. I don't know how it I missed. Don't, I
1: don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Don't know what it is. I don't know what the difference is that they 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 can't get on board with Seinfeld because it's pretty awesome. So. Mm. Happy birthday to Seinfeld. Let's see. What is Jerry turning? He's turning the big 6'6.
1: 6'6 pickup sticks. Jeez. There you go. Dang, pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good for him. Young 66. Yeah,
0: looking good. Looking good. He went with the short hair. I thought he was going to go like completely bald, but he didn't. So good for him. He's still got the hair That's there. Right. It's just short. It's nice. Like it. Looking good, Jerry. Oh, looking yeah. good. Alright, Dave, you know we don't leave stones unturned on this show. Nope.
1: Never, man.
0: If we discuss a topic that neither of us are too familiar with, sometimes we have to put a place card there, come back to it next show. In a segment we call Previously on the Doc G Show. Previously on the Doc G Show.
2: Previously
4: on the Doc G Show.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Dave, last week we had a story on Rip from the Headlines that a lady who gave birth in a car uh, had her baby thrown
1: under the seat with the umbilical cord. It's awesome, when sometimes I forget what this is. Yes. I'm like, what did we we do? Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) Lady lost her baby, but the umbilical cord was still attached. And you said... How long is the cord? To which I said, good question. Hmm. So, I researched it, Dave, and in a 2012 study by uh, Balka Wade, they looked at 1,000 bursts and measured the umbilical cord. The length ranged oh, from 24 centimeters to 124, uh-huh. which is 9.5 inches to 49 inches. Jeez. The, wow. Yeah. Yeah, the average length was 64, which would be about two feet. Um, Wow. Apparently, Dave, the longer or shorter a cord is away from the mean length, the more likely Mm -hmm. it is that the fetus will experience complications. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I thought about our situation with the lady giving birth in the car, and I've got to say one of two things happened here she had the old four footer cord so true the longest yeah. one because that would reach or the cord was just attached to the baby and not the lady you know right because they yeah, just that's like
1: the only two scenarios they
0: just said that the cord was attached they didn't say it was still attached mm-hmm. to her and I started thinking okay maybe right. they're maybe it's just attached to the baby and there's just a loose cord but uh either way. We now know, Dave, about, mm, about 10 inches to about four feet. Pretty, pretty big. I mean,
1: that four feet is a long cord.
0: Ten inches is short, you know? That one is... Right,
1: that's like barely getting out barely, of Barely, I was about <laughs> to say, it might not even make it out.
0: It's like I'm stuck. You. Somebody needs to cut this thing so I can get all the way out of here. Like, oh, man. And then four feet, you know, you're lassoing things with that. And that's, that's a bit long. There you go.
1: They're, screw- they're swinging the baby around like a helicopter. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ew. There you go. Now we know. Oh, now man. we know. That's uh, info for us, Dave. Now that we have that great anatomy info, are you ready to rip some headlines?
1: Hmm. Let's rip it. Thank you for that. It's now time
2: for RIP from the Headlines.
1: This is very informative. Very informative. Um, Can't wait to use that at a bar.
0: (laughs) Hey, you know how long an umbilical cord is? Well, it ranges, but it averages two feet. Just to let you know. Mm. So you want to go home later? Fun fact. Wink! Ew! Um, Dave, this was all over the news. uh, I saw in a lot of outlets... Uh, but I took it from mm-hmm. Daily Mail. So, okay. I wanted to start off ripping from the headlines to talk about this because I saw this happening in several states, and I'm sure you saw it. There were some protests at different capitals about the stay at oh, yeah. home orders. Uh, mm-hmm. They happened yep. in a bunch of states North Carolina, Ohio, Utah, Wyoming, New York, Virginia, South Carolina. But Michigan caught my eye. And I noticed Trump. Michigan because several of the protesters at the Michigan rally were waving
1: Confederate flags.
2: Wait, what?
1: <laughs> they don't even know what they're protesting. They're just like, yeah, let's go up there. <laughs> what the f- does that mean, Dave? I don't uh, understand.
0: Nope. You're in Michigan. It was part of the Union! That's a fact. It fought for the Union! Yes! You're st- 1,800 miles away from Dixie! Yes! Why the heck are you waving a Confederate flag? What does that Dude, mean? It's the, it's the
1: water up there, man. They're confused.
0: <laughs> it, it, Michigan was part of the Northwest Territory that banned slavery before it was even a state! That's a fact. Like... Secondly, what does a Confederate flag even have to do with a pandemic? It makes no sense. Nope. They're just like, hey, you want to bring this? Looks good.
1: Why not? Like, I don't. It's not why the South succeeded, Dave. That is so confusing, man. I, I don't get the thought process of some people.
0: It wasn't an outbreak like, of a plague in the Confederacy and people were like, hey, we want a party, but the government's not letting us. Let's succeed. That wasn't why. Nope. They wanted to own people, and the government wasn't cool with that. <laughs> this is a different situation. Like, ugh. It's like if I decided to go on strike from my job... And I showed up at the picket line with like a National Liberation Front flag from Vietnam. <laughs> they were like, what the is that flag? And I'm like, makes sense, right? Nope. It's pretty obvious. And they're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, okay. It looked pretty cool. I thought I'd bring it. Sorry. Like, that doesn't make any sense, Dave. No sense. Nope. Just saying. None at all. No Literally. sense. More nonsense comes from our next story, Dave. CBS Channel 12, right here in Florida. Now, I think you remember um, a couple of months back when a dude was late for his flight to the airport in London and decided to call in a bomb threat. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Right. Yeah. Yep. We both agreed. Not a good reason to call in a bomb threat. That's a fact. Well, Richard Hamilton uh, was apparently supposed to go into work, and he came up with another good no, not good reason to call in a bomb threat. So, Richard Hamilton had a day of work and was like, you know what? I just got a bad day going on today. So true. Just not having a good day. You know what? Instead of going into work, I think I'm going to call in a bomb threat. And that way,
1: no work. I don't have there to we go. go.
0: <laughs> Problem solved.
1: Oh, boy.
0: So, he called in a bomb threat. On his own cell phone... Jeez. The building was Uh, evacuated, and the police were called. Rookie move, kid. (laughs) Rookie move. The police arrived. They didn't even really need to do an investigation. They were just like, it's probably old Ricky Hamilton, considering it was called in on his phone. (laughs) Let's go check it out. They went to his house and said, Hey, uh, Ricky, can we see your uh, phone? And he was like, oh, funny thing about my phone. I uh, I just recently lost my phone. Word. And they were like, okay, you mind if we search the area? And that basically ended Ricky's uh, cover up. And he was like, ah, all right, I made the bomb threat. Uh, I don't actually have a bomb. I just didn't want to go to work. Um, now, he was obviously arrested on making false bomb threats. A couple things here. A couple times on the show, Dave, I have told the listeners uh, of this fine show to run something by a close friend, a confidant. So true. To make make sure that your idea makes sense. This would have been one of those times Richard could call up a friend and say, Hey, man, I don't want to go to work today. I was thinking of calling in a bomb threat to avoid work. How's that sound? And the friend would have been like... War. You know what? Calling in and saying you're sick. That might be a better option. Mm. That way, you <laughs> avoid the chance of being arrested and thrown in prison. How about that? That's a fact. You know? I'm just saying. Confidant, guys. Get a friend. Run some things by them. It will really keep you out of trouble. As long as your friend is normal,
1: you know? Uh, I can't wait till you call me with an idea.
0: (laughs) Dave, I've got an idea. Calling in a bomb threat. No, Ben, don't do that. It's not a good idea. Don't do it. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. Our next story is from the New York Post. Uh, Mm. Dave, have you ever been walking down the street and seen a cop car Mm -hmm. and said, I should probably steal that?
1: Hmm... Oh man No but there are the times where I'm like Man I wonder what it'd be like to turn the lights on in a cop car <laughs> And just do whatever you want on the roads
0: Maybe maybe that's what Casey was thinking Maybe that's what she was thinking I don't know um, But I can tell you I've never walked up to a cop car And said Yeah that'd be good Should to I, steal Should I or shouldn't I That'd be good yes, to steal <laughs> Casey uh, Moses can't say that Because she stole a cop car They did it um. Yep. So I love how the article started out, <laughs> first of all, by saying a woman was arrested for stealing a marked NYPD cop car in Harlem. Hmm. I-, I love that mm. they cleared it up for us to make sure there was no confusion that she was stealing like uh, an unmarked like a, car. Yeah, yeah. they're like, no, 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 this wasn't just car theft and they screwed up and got the wrong car. There was a giant NYPD plastered on the side.
1: (laughs) On the side.
0: (laughs) So apparently an officer from the 25th precinct uh, had jumped out of his car on foot in pursuit of a perpetrator. And when he did this, Mm. his keys, he left them on the seat because it's a cop car because who's going to steal a cop car?
2: right? So true. Uh,
0: And apparently Casey Moses walks up, sees the car, is like, you know what? I better take this car. Sweet. So she hopped in the car while driving off, hit another cop car driven by the captain oh, of sh- the precinct <laughs> and then essentially turned down the road straight into gridlock traffic on Madison Avenue Bridge oh. where wow. cops just surrounded her car and then she was charged That's with like grand larceny. Yeah, yeah, I mean... She had to see this ending not well, right? Hmm. Like,
1: had to. <laughs> like,
0: she didn't think she was going to steal this cop car, and then the cops were going to notice and be like, hey, somebody stole Jeff's car. Word. His squad car? Yeah. It's all right. We got like a, an extra one, so we're good. Let's <laughs> we'll just let that one go. She can take it. It's fine. Like, that's not going to happen. Nope. Plus, plus you're stealing a cop car during a pandemic in the epicenter of the pandemic like mm. even if she didn't get stuck in traffic there's 5 million people sitting in their apartments just looking out the windows somebody's going to call in and be like hey that cop car it's on 52nd just to let you know it, there yeah. it is <laughs> like it's it's gone it's not going to be hard like and lastly it's not the coolest car to steal nope it's not it's not like you're stealing like a BMW i8 Sweet. It's a Ford oh. SUV like
1: come on that's true. it's not cool at all. Well, I bet NYPD has some cool ones, but she messed up. yeah, it was a normal one.
0: She wasn't stealing like their cool undercover cars. she was stealing yeah. the lame normal car squad car. I mean that's a fact. anyways, this next story Dave is from AP News. Dave, okay. apparently New York was the place to to do some weird robberies uh, mm-hmm. this past week. Because along with our uh, cop car thief, um, there was another weird robbery. Dave, if you were uh, planning a robbery, what would you think as far as your getaway? What kind of getaway would you want? Best mode of getaway. Mm. We know a cop car is Hel- pretty low helicopter. on the list. Ooh. Helicopter, that's nice. That's a good getaway. Uh, mm-hmm. How ab- submarine? A oh, submarine. As long as you're near the water, that'd be pretty good. Yep. Um, how about a pair of inline
1: roller skates? Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Let's pat- Especially if you're somewhere like hilly, then you're like quick acceleration <laughs> with minimal energy. I don't. And then you can go. Oh man! I don't that, know that could how. I
0: don't know how hilly Long Island is. I mean, I know Manhattan's got some hills. I don't know about mm, Long Island. That sounds
1: pretty flat to me.
0: Eh, eh, mm, I don't know. I have to. I have to give my man Joe and Mike, my friends in Long Island. I'm not sure. Anyways, this past week in Long Island, on Friday, a man on inline roller skates cruised into Dunkin' Donuts around 8 p.m and bought a cup Mm -hmm. of coffee. After he bought a cup of coffee, he demanded cash while making it seem like he had a gun. He then Mm -hmm. got away with an undetermined amount of cash and he left on the roller skates wearing Mm -hmm. a Carhartt jacket, a red beanie, Mm -hmm. and uh, because of the coronavirus, a surgical mask and black rubber gloves. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. Um...
1: Way to be safe there. Exactly.
0: Uh, <laughs> I got it. like, did he? Did he plan this? Like, did he decide? Like, you know what? I'd be way faster on my skates. Got a. I'm pretty. Ak- I think. I think that was premeditated. I'm a pretty. A, I'm a pretty accomplished skater. I need my skates. I'm gonna be good. Secondly, you know me, Dave. I'm not a guy that would really put up a resistance to this robbery. I would nope. definitely just give mm-hmm. him all the money and be like, eh, cops yep. will work this out later. Yes! But, yep. like, if you were one of those people, mm-hmm. couldn't you just, like, jump up directly behind him and push him over? Hmm. Like, you don't have that much balance on
1: skates. Dude, <sighs> if he has a gun, man... I'm just letting him Oh, exactly.
0: But I'm saying like especially to him planning it wouldn't you like I mean if somebody's directly behind you on skates there's no way for you to turn around on those skates. Nope. Like you got it's a slow maneuver to get back around. So if you got somebody directly behind you I'm you're screwed. I'm just saying, you know? Yeah. I mean Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, skates would not be my first getaway. That's, a fact. That's all I'm saying.
1: No. So, he was desperate, man. That's why he did something stupid. Yes, I guess so,
0: apparently. But he did take the time to get his mask and his gloves. So there you go. Uh, Dave, our next story right here, Florida. Uh, Channel 13. Uh, Fox, Channel 13. We all know the pandemic has caused a lot of turmoil for a lot of people around the world you know Mm -hmm. and police around this country they're on high alert looking for signs of distress so
2: true well
0: the other day in north naples the police got a call from a concerned citizen that said they saw a please help me sign in the window of an apartment building so hearing this police sent some officers out uh when they arrived a woman answered the door and they were like hey Everything all right, ma'am? And she was like, yeah, everything's fine. Hmm. And they were like, well, there's a sign in the window in the back of your apartment that says, help, get me out of here. Word. And uh, they were like, "Uh." And they walked back to the lady's daughter's room where she had sent her 10-year-old daughter to finish her homework. And instead of finishing her homework, the daughter decided to write, help, get me out of here, and tape it to the window because she didn't want to do oh her homework.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the police That's said, awesome. while we're happy to know that no one was in danger, we totally relate to the frustration that comes with math homework. Word. Then, one of the deputies provided his cell phone to the child... The, her, his cell phone number to the child and said she could call him anytime for homework questions. But hmm. which, which I gotta say, Dave, I, this positive reinforcement is not the this the 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 message that this kid needed in this situation.
1: Nope, no, not at all. I mean,
0: <laughs> next thing you know, she's gonna be calling 911 for like anything. She's gonna be like, hey. Couldn't get the top off of a pickle jar. Could somebody come down here? Just (laughs) last time they gave me a phone number. Sure, kid. I couldn't get get in touch with the police officer for the pickle jar. So if somebody send them on down, I'll be waiting. Like, it's not the right message. Nope. Somebody should have told her, don't write signs of help. Have you ever heard of the kid that cried wolf? All right? That's right. Doesn't work that way, kid. Just saying. I feel like I'm being the old man on this show, Dave. I don't know. You
1: are. No. you are.
0: I got another one to be an old man here in just a second. Uh, actually, now, Dave. Wow. Our next story comes yeah. from the New Yorker, Dave. TikTok has managed to become even weirder during the coronavirus. Hmm. Hmm. Apparently, there's a whole group of makeup artists that post videos of them doing makeup doing their own makeup while lip-syncing John Mulaney stand-up bits.
1: Hmm. Oh my God.
0: <laughs> yeah. I watched Literally. them, Dave. I watched a couple of, of them. Of course you did. <laughs> I don't understand it. Like, what the f- is the point of this, Dave? I don't get it. Like, I know. I, As I said, I understand I'm in the old man that doesn't get it territory. But seriously, why? Why would somebody want to watch this? Like, he's a good comic.
1: I I have refused to download TikTok. Yeah. I will not do it.
0: Like, like John Mulaney's a good comic. But if I want to watch a stand-up, I'll watch a stand-up. That's a fact. And if I want to get makeup tips, which I obviously do, I'll watch a video on how to do that. Like, I'm not going to mash them up into some weird mix. Like, am am I supposed to be impressed that they can mouth the the lines of a stand-up? Or am I supposed to be impressed that they can mouth them while doing makeup? I don't get it. Hmm. It's so weird. And then... Why is John Mulaney the only comic? Yeah! Like, there's none on Dave Chappelle. Yeah, there's so there's many There's none others. J- Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> there's no Jerry Seinfeld. Like, where are other comics? I don't... It's it's baffling, Dave. It's baffling. And TikTok is getting an, a, a, an abnormally large amount of old people that are getting on TikTok mm-hmm. now because of quarantine. Oh! Now a bunch of old people are are just f- filing into TikTok because they have nothing else to do. So get ready for all the youngsters to leave TikTok because all the old people ruined it. Just
1: yeah, the, within a few months. Get get ready. <laughs> it's just like everything: Facebook, Instagram. You know, get ready, the young kids. Yeah. La- oh, last last
0: story, Dave. Last story. Uh, this one is a classic from uh classic from. What do we got here? Michigan Live, one of my favorites. So, we haven't done this in a while, Dave. It's a actual headline. Are you ready for the actual headline?
1: Yes, please.
0: Okay. Confused driver threw large amount Mm -hmm. of money out window on Northern Michigan Road.
2: Wait, what?
0: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, obviously... It's weird. Um, yep. And I checked the story out, Dave, and it doesn't really tell you anything. Literally, uh, all, the, no. all the story says is a 60-year-old looking man was confused and threw out money out of his window while driving down County Road 633. Work. And then, apparently, people in this town returned most of the money to officials and they returned it to the man. I gotta ask, Dave, what's the confusion? Hmm. Like <laughs> throwing out money onto a street is not a solution to anything. Nope. Like <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> I mean what's there to confuse? It's not like, oh, you know what, I thought my wife needed me to Go get milk from a store, so I threw $5,000 out on the highway. So true. <laughs> My bad. Now I
1: can't, now I don't have to go get it.
0: Like, what? <laughs> How? It's not like, oh, you know what? I thought I was at the ATM, so I just threw $5,000 out onto the, hi- I thought uh, I was at the highway. Like, no, there's no way. There's no, like, the only thing I could think of that would make sense that he could be confused is that he thought, uh, like, a cop car saw him and he has a bunch of drug money in his car and he doesn't want the cops right. to get suspicious so he just started dumping cash out like
1: dude you you watch too many movies man well in that case though <laughs>
0: still the cops wouldn't just be like here's your money back like right it's so I gotta I gotta follow up on this story Dave I'm gonna continue you need,
1: you need to get more.
0: I'm gonna continue to watch the the news lines in Michigan see if I can Please. find out
1: about this because
0: it's weird. It's very weird we need the
1: people need to know
0: Dave we're gonna take a break. We're going to be right back, but first we're going to hear our guest today. This is a fantastic remake I was talking about, about the awesome Elton John song, Daniel, by Susto, right here on the Doc G Show. Daniel is traveling tonight on
4: a plane. I can see the red tail lights heading for Spain. Oh well, I can see Daniel waving goodbye. God, it looks like Daniel must be the clouds in my. There's I can see the red taillights heading for spring.
0: The Doc G Show, it's been a Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida.
1: Dave? Mm. Guys, we've already been in pandemic for I don't know how many weeks now. I know you're listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Go to your podcast, download an app, download mm-hmm. The Doc G Show. Mm-hmm. Then give us five stars Boom. and go check out our website, yes. www.thedocgshow.com. You will not regret it. <sighs> Man. That was concise. Yes. It was informative. That's right. It was
0: enthusiastic. Smooth. I liked it all. So true. I liked it all, Dave. Thank you. I liked it Thank all. Thank you. Uh, okay. Speaking of people downloading, we need to go and give some shout outs to the folks that listen. That's yes. right. Yes. That's right. Uh, regulars, Dave, it is time to start off with our regular listeners. Shout out to the 904, all of Duval County. Shout Yes, indeed. Uh, Shout out to Columbia, South Carolina, especially especially this week with our guest, Justin Osborne, from the state of South Carolina. Shout out to Radford, Virginia, the Highlanders, obviously always coming in with some listens. Shout out to London, all the hot spots, Hackney, Islington, Stoke, Newington, Wimbledon, all the places in Mm -hmm. between. Shout Shout out to Gainesville. Shout-out out right. out to Ashburn, Virginia. Shout-out right. to Dublin, Ireland. Shout-out right. to Barcelona, Spain. Shout-out out. Out to Mountain View, California. Shout-out out. Out to the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. Shout-out out. Out to Justin's hometown, Charleston, South Carolina. Shout-out right. shout to Genoa, Italy. Shout-out out. Out to Kenner, Louisiana. Shout-out right. to Maputo. And shout-out shout to right. Madison, Tina C.
1: Yes, shout out regulars. That list is getting long. I love it's good, it. it.
0: It's a good list. It's a good list. They're a solid group. They're dedicated. I appreciate all of them. I appreciate they all of them. I love you. Nope. I hate to say, I hate to I well, let's not go that far. They tolerate me <laughs> every week. Yes! Um I hate
1: to say, it, Dave, but Hamburg, Germany, they dropped off. The old Hamburg. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because you were pronouncing it wrong. It was Hamburg. Well, I and you were calling it Hamburg. Well, I couldn't ju- take I, it anymore. I
0: just like to add the, you know,
1: the the, the accent to it. To little, it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, well, they do this though, Dave. I've noticed this with Hamburg. War. They'll get on a roll and then they get tired of our show and they leave for a while and then they come back. Girl, come on! So and hopefully... They can only take so many
1: times of it to be called Omberg.
0: <laughs> they can only take so much of our show, and they're just like, all right, that's enough of that crap. That's a
1: fact. Um, all right, Dave. Semi-regulars.
0: Bend, Oregon. Yes! They're back Ooh, on. Cool. Yeah, they're back on. Yeah. Shout right. out. Yeah. Uh Yeah. They were newcomers a couple weeks back, and they're like, you know what? Coming back. Also in Oregon, Portland. Shout, Shout out to Portland. Keeping it weird. Very nice. nice. Stockholm Sweden shout out to Stockholm shout out. they're they're semi-regulars they get on there every now and then uh, yeah. San Francisco California shout Frisco out. treat I did not have a good time the last time I was in San Francisco Wait, what? It was not a oh, it's not it's not it's not the city's fault it was my fault but I did not have a good time it wasn't uh, it was bad I stayed in the tenderloin district. And uh, oh. I, I stayed in this hotel. Is that like a meat district? Uh, hmm. what I don't know. Tenderloin mean? I don't know why it's called Tenderloin, Dave. I know oh. it's it's not the best area, though. I can tell you that much. Maybe
1: previously on the Doc G Show needs to look into it. Yeah, that.
0: we're going to look into it, Dave. I'm looking into That's it. That's a fact. Don't yes. you worry. I'll figure out why. But I can tell you, it's not the highest class area. Mm. Um... It's, it's so not you high. fit in,
1: then, with your hobo-looking self.
0: Yes, I do. Yes. But here's the downside. I stayed in a hotel that was above a uh, like a nightclub, Girl, come on. and it was okay. bumping until, like, 5 in the morning, and I was trying to why, go to why sleep. Why
1: weren't you out there?
0: Because I'm old.
1: You're your jam on, getting your jiggy <laughs> with it.
0: I'm an old hermit, Dave. You know this. Oh. I was setting up there going, kids. D***. It's with their party fun. You know? But anyways. Drugs. Nonetheless. Shout out to those guys for listening. Thanks, to San Francisco. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Orlando, Florida. Shout out. Center of the state nice. there. Shout uh, out Blenheim, New Zealand. Been a while for them, but they're back on the board. Shout out. Shout out, shout out to Blenheim. Okay. Newcomers, Dave.
1: Newbies. Newcomers.
0: Okay. First off. Getting more UK listeners, Dave. I like it. Mm. Yeah, this time, Chelmsford. Wait, what? Chelmsford, UK. Yeah. Boom. I'm guessing Chelmsford. Maybe it's Chelmsford. It's C H. Uh, maybe I Chelmsford. Say Chelms. You're gonna yeah. go Chelms. Okay, let's go Chelms. Girl, come on. Let's go Chelms. Bring it on, guys. Chelmsford, right out of London. Right out of London. There. They were too far for me to include them because they're not actually like in the metro area. They're like 25, 30 miles outside of London. Yeah, that's a different city. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Well, it was actually named a different city. I forget what year. I saw it in the the bio, Dave, but it was named uh, uh, its own city in its own right. Fun fact, Dave, Chelmsford... Birthplace of the radio. So true. Yeah. Oh. It's named Shout as the birthplace. Thanks to
1: Chelmsford for letting us do what we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because apparently, uh, Marconi's Wireless Telegraph and Signal Company set up shop there in 1899. So that's why it's the uh, first radio signals coming out of Marconi's Wireless Telegraph and Signal Company. Boom. Wow. Boom. Very cool. Yeah, Chelmsford, give it up. Keep listening, Chelmsford. Next on the list, we're going to move over. We're going to move to the east of Europe. We're going to Bratislava, Slovakia. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Bratislava. Yeah, it's the capital, Dave. Capital of Slovakia.
1: Dang, we're in the capital.
0: Yeah, about 650,000 people there in Bratislava. Yeah.
1: Pretty good there.
0: Now, I've been told if I'm going to hit up Bratislava, I need to hit up mm-hmm. Devin Castle.
1: Oh. It's, it's we the, like some castles now. We do.
0: It's one of the oldest in Slovakia. It's apparently been there since
1: 1864.
0: Sheesh. Sorry, no, no, sorry, sorry. I added a one. Eight... Sixty-four. Whoa. sorry that's it just even rolled more impressive yeah it just rolled off the tongue when i said 1864 i was like wait a second that's the civil war that's not impressive at all and i was like oh 864 there we go 864 way more day. impressive yeah yeah, I mean, Jesus, that's over a thousand years, Dave. I can do math, and that's over a thousand years. That's a fact. It's crazy. Good job with the math. Yes! <laughs> it's crazy, and the crazy thing, Dave, what I found, I was, I was looking at research on this, and, like, they kept using this thing like, up until, like, the 1600s and stuff. Like, man. How nuts is that? That, like, you're in a place, and you're like, hey, you know, it's been a been a house for 800 years Girl, come on. like it's Literally. <laughs> it's nuts that's nuts i mean like the oldest house in america is like 300 and that's the, and that's the absolute oldest man right. i, I, like, I think, think there's how only...
1: old that is and then go back a thousand <laughs> more years
0: yeah exactly devin castle dave wow. gotta head it up
1: all right, thanks
0: for all the listens from all around the world. All of you are now local Floridians listening to the da- uh, the Doc G Show. Thank you. Thank you. So true. Thanks, guys. Dave, it's time for the second birthday suit. All right. I, th- I think you can get this one. Okay. He's a, he's a well-known entity. Uh, it okay. might not really be your wheelhouse, but definitely... Definitely an icon. Reachable. Okay. Uh, okay. Born on April 29th, 1933. Jeez. Been a while. Been a while. In Abbott, Texas. Our birthday suit wearer was raised by his grandparents. His grandparents were both very musical and started teaching our birthday suit uh, mu- uh, su- birthday wear music when he was very young, he wrote his first song at the age of seven. Say what? Started playing in different bands throughout high school. And after high school, he went to the Air Force for just nine months. After that, mm-hmm. he, uh, he quit and went to Baylor University, where he stayed mm-hmm. for two years before he dropped out to pursue music. He got a uh, position at a radio station. And with the equipment there, he recorded his first two songs. He then went to Vancouver, where he was hired by a radio or a TV station and made frequent appearances on the different shows on that TV station. In 1960, he moved to Nashville. That's where he started making his name more as a musician. In 1964, he signed with RCA and played the Grand Ole Opry and met Waylon Jennings. But in 1972, his music career stalled, and he decided he was going to retire from the music industry. He moved to Austin and got rejuvenated, started hanging around what they called the hippie country music scene. In the 1970s, he performed some of his biggest songs like Shotgun Willie, and Blue Eyes Singing in the Rain. So true. He also recorded an album with Waylon Jennings in 1978 and an album with Merle Haggard in 1983. He formed a band with Waylon Jennings, Chris uh, Chris Christofferson, and Johnny Cash, and they called themselves the Highwaymen. It was also around this time that he grew his hair out and started sporting his signature braids. He's known for outlaw mm. country, smoking marijuana, what? Even recording several songs with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Named... Nelson. Yeah, there we go, yeah. Willie Nelson. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Willie turning the big eight-seven.
1: Dang, I didn't realize eight, he was that old.
0: Eight-seven. He's been around, man. Around the block. Willie has seen, and let me tell you, when I was writing that readout for, for a birthday suit there, reading Willie Nelson's bio, I was tired just reading
1: it, man. I He's know, like, all the ups and downs and the going places to... It's, it,
0: it's crazy. He's lived all over the country, man. Everywhere, all over, the. I mean, in Canada and... In, in in San Diego, in Arkansas, in Ohio, in Nashville, and just like all over the place and just like worked at all these odd jobs and then normal jobs and then TV jobs and radio jobs. And like, Girl, I mean, the clues I told you are like basically 0.001% of his actual thing. bio. <laughs> like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, man. He could, Impressive. I bet you. You get Willie. Good you get, movie. You get Willie on the right night. You're in for an entertaining night. You know he's Man, got some stories. Those stories will
1: last forever. He's
0: got some stories, no doubt. And then the Highwaymen. I mean, Waylon, Chris, Johnny Cash. Say what? And it's crazy, crazy good time. Happy birthday to Willie. Turning Happy the birthday, big Willie. eight seven. I know they usually have the Luck Festival around now, which is what Willie puts on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing they might be doing an online version I don't know yes! Probably doing an That's online it. version of it I'm guessing yeah. But Happy birthday to Willie We are going to take a break We are going to be right back With none other than Justin Osborne But first We're going to hear One of his One of my favorite songs of his One of his most popular Jaw works Right here On the Doc G Show Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we are joined by a fantastic musician, straight out of the Palmetto State, lead singer of Susto, Mr. Justin Osborne. Justin, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing relatively well. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm just uh, in quarantine, like everyone else.
0: Yeah, um, man. Happy
2: to be chatting.
0: That was that was going to be my first question. How's how's everything in Charleston as far as the uh, as far as the quarantine? Hmm.
2: Well, um, a lot's died down. Um, I, I mean, personally, in my own life. My wife is a teacher, so she's been teaching from home. Mm. We have a ten-month-old uh, who is not in daycare right now, so um, <laughs> at least half—at least half of my days, uh, or the first part, while my wife is teaching, is spent being a, a childcare person, which is, you know, honestly a bit of a blessing because I've been usually spend a lot of my time on the road. So, yeah, spending a lot of time with my daughter and my wife, and um, we're just trying to take advantage of the family time while we can. But you know, also missing our normal lives too but um of course you know, Charleston's a big food in food bed town so mm. it's been kind of heavy hit a lot of folks we know and that are close to us have not been working now for you know almost a month yeah um because they work in restaurants and bars so yeah
0: yeah what uh, what grade does your teacher or your, your wife teach
2: she teaches uh seventh eighth grade math and science
0: Oh god, I bet that's no. tough over over the internet. Yeah, oh.
2: yeah, yeah. She's she's doing the best she can, and she, she's really good at her job. And um, but uh, yeah, just Woo. trying to help the kids get through it, and help them stay confident. You know?
0: Man, what a what 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 a group to try to keep their attention over Zoom. Right. <laughs> totally. Oh god, that'd be rough. I feel for her. Um, so yeah, uh, I've seen you do some live streams since uh, quarantine started. Um, how, how have you enjoyed, you know, the sort of change of pace, the different type of performance? What's it been like?
2: Uh, well, first of all, like i was been really surprised at the um, at the amount of support that I've had for the live stream shows. I, I just, I had a, a series of four that I did where I kind of broke my catalog up into different themes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did it over this platform, stageit.com, which kind of tries to make it as much like a show as possible. Yeah. You um, even, even send guest spots and stuff like that. Um, and then I did an encore one yesterday, so I've done five and, and they've been really fun because for me, like, I just, uh, didn't even realize how much I missed performing, even if it is from my house, yeah. um, and, and, playing and connecting with the fans really, you know, it's just like, it's kind of become part of my, my DNA. I've been playing and traveling, performing almost half my life now, so, um, but and also it becomes a really nice thing to look forward to in quarantine it's like oh no, yeah got a show day tomorrow so it's like you know i get to get excited about it and break the monotony <laughs> um but uh another great thing has been that like you know unlike being on tour i um uh, you know i i right before i go on stage i'm at home with my wife and daughter and right after i get off stage i'm at home with my wife and daughter <laughs> so it's that's, that's kind of nice. I'm not like you know eating in gas stations and sleeping in hotel rooms. But, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's it's not quite the same. You know, it's yeah. like I really wish I could see see the faces and. Um, you know the energy is is different for sure, but it's uh, it's nice that there's some sort of surrogate at least, and I'm I'm, I'm thankful that the, my fan base has been supportive, and yeah. it's been nice to also you know be able to earn a living while I'm doing this, and everyone's been very supportive in that way.
0: Yeah, tie you over until uh, until things get better for sure. Um, totally. Totally. Well, let, let's take the listeners back. Uh, you're obviously from the great state of South Carolina. You started uh, writing songs uh, a long time ago, uh, and I heard uh, you started actually on your, your grandpa's uh, parlor guitar there uh, that you yeah. weren't supposed to touch. Um, yeah. What what initially drew you to it? Was it the fact that you couldn't touch it, or what initially got you wanting to play music and start playing the guitar?
2: Hmm you know i i i think probably the fact that i wasn't allowed to play it had something to do with it um, <laughs> but but also like i was just always drawn to performance and singing like i remember being really into music like even when like i was before i started playing guitar like when i was in second and third grade i'd be like re- listening to casey Kasem's like top yeah. 40 countdown and like have i have like a blank tape in the in my tape player to like press record record my favorite songs and yeah and i'd sing sing to them and um stuff like that and and being from south carolina like we'd go down to the myrtle beach area and go to like the pier and they'd have bands playing at the mm-hmm. pier i remember my first time i ever got on a stage it was like i was probably like 7 or 8 and i got my friend's mom to ask the band if i could go up and sing a song with them at the end of their set and i got there <laughs> and i remember just being overwhelmed and running back to my friend's mom and crying and nice but it is i was i was drawn to it what song I was, I did you really sing do you remember shows. i think i sang i can love you like that Nice. <laughs> my, uh, i think there was an alabama version and also an all for one version yeah i was, uh, I was obsessed with both and i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's what i try, tried to sing but
0: nice um
2: yeah it just it's just something i've been drawn to and i so when i got into high school you know like i started playing and writing more and once my parents realized i was sneaking to play my granddad's guitar they like helped me get some strings on it because <laughs> at first it only had like three strings and yeah and you know they were supportive once they realized that I wasn't going to break it. So you're
0: serious but... about it. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the unique things for me about Susto when when I listen to the the music is is your voice. Yes! It's it's this unique, it's it's very it's very infectious. It gets in you. I like your voice as far as a singer and it reminds me there's a mix of like Kurt Cobain and and Kevin Kinney from Driving and Crying like a smidge of chris martin as i was like trying to put my finger on it the other day i was listening to it when was the first time you sang and somebody was like whoa you can sing do you remember that like somebody being like you got a great voice
2: well first of all thank you for those comparisons as wrong <laughs> favorites of mine but, yeah um, you know i don't really I, I what sticks out more to me is like when I was young and trying to sing, people being super um, vocal about how bad I was singer I was. <laughs> is what sticks out more to me. I remember like singing in the car one day and my uh this is before I even learned to play guitar, I was just singing along with my dad, which is like he probably had a long day at work or something because my dad i don't want to paint him the wrong way he's been supportive and i love my dad but he was like he just freaked out i was like please shut up no (laughs) one's ever gonna want to hear you sing like that and then when i started learning to play i was like trying to learn how to play like green day good riddance and stuff and i remember playing that and my aunt was just like she would make fun of me she's like something unpredictable like hold her nose like that And, and people i i got more slack than anything and You you remember you
0: remember the hate anyways the the negative comments are easier to remember. Yeah,
2: I think that was kind of uh, that was those stick out more. I mean, like I I, I've uh, I've always been pretty critical of my own voice, and it took a long time for me to start feeling confident in my voice because I I had another band that released several albums before I was with Susto, and and even listening back to those, I'm like, oh my god, why did I put this out in the world? (laughs) My voice just wasn't there yet, but. I think it just takes, for me, it's just taken a lot of time and a lot of live performance to learn how to use my voice and to develop it yeah. um, into something that is listenable for people. So, <laughs> I appreciate the compliment, though. So.
0: Well, you know, you're talking about your, your first band there, Sequoia Prep. Uh, and uh, you guys actually, I mean, you know, it wasn't long after you started playing that you got that band together and you started writing songs and you guys had big success relatively with those songs. I mean, uh, about rain, it has a million over a million streams on Spotify now, you know, and it was a big success back then. Uh, when you guys started getting that traction, you know, on MySpace and other places initially, and you you had that you know taste of notoriety. What did you think? Did you think like was, was in your head? Were you like, all right now? now's the next step. Now I'm going to be a, a big-time rocker. Did you have this sort of mis you know misconception about what you thought you were going to be?
2: Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I thought, like, I remember, I mean, we made, the first Sequoia Prep uh, record we made was like, we made it, like, during my senior year of high school, and then we put it out like right before I went to college, and I went to military college, so I was kind of like cut off from everybody, and I came home for Christmas and we played a show, and then like, this little 150 capacity venue was like packed out and people were singing the lyrics, of songs. And I was like, what? And then my bass player being like, yeah, we put, I put the songs on this thing called MySpace. I was like, what is MySpace? And he, <laughs> and he you know, he had put the stuff up there. I didn't even know. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is great. And yeah. like, I really loved the fact that you could, I could connect to people that way. And people like seemed to relate to what I was writing about and and so I got hooked to live music in that way, but also at the same time, I was like, all right, well, we're going to be famous. like. Yeah. And in that band, when we did, we actually had a, like a, we signed with Atlantic Records and like after our second album, and I was like probably 19. And, but, you know, I didn't, I, it was great because I got to be let down by the <laughs> music industry, which I yeah. think is really important because it helped me, um, you know, I was I played with Sequoia for a long time and. And eventually was getting burned out with that band and realizing that it wasn't easy to make it big, Um, especially being in a band from like, you know, a small town South Carolina. Yeah. um, That kind of helped me manage my expectations when I started Susto. And when I set out to start Susto, I was like, you know what, I just would really like to be able to make a living doing this. And um, it's and i'm going to give it a couple of years to see if i can do that. And if i can do that, i'll be happy. and um, and i've done that and yeah. I, and i am happy and it, and it's and it's incredible and i feel really lucky to get to do it and i'm i'm thankful for those years with sequoia kind of learning those hard lessons and learning that it's nothing is overnight, you know. it's yeah. not anything of value.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, you after Sequoia didn't really work out. Sequoia prep didn't go where you thought it was going to go. You ended up actually uh studying anthropology uh at the at the College yeah. of Charleston. Uh what what made you study anthropology? What was the what, what was the skip from, you know, that music career to anthropology? Hmm. Um
2: well, you know, it's funny because I'm actually still studying anthropology because I, I dropped out when the Susto record came. Yeah. It came out because I was too busy. And, and I've, this semester, I've gone back and I'm, I, I'm finishing my last class online. Like nice. On Monday. So I'm finally going to get my college degree. Whether or not I'll ever use it, who knows? But
0: hey, um, something to put on the wall at least. There
2: you well, go. Well, you know, it's just like <laughs> I have a daughter and I want, you know, it's like I want her to have an example of like her dad is someone who finishes what he starts.
3: Yeah. But, nice.
2: Um, but, you know, Anthropology was something I was interested in. I mean, I, I had been touring with a band in my early 20s. Like, I, I went to military school out of high school, but then I dropped out after my sophomore year because we got that Atlantic Records thing. Mm-hmm. And so I kept pursuing the band from the time I was, like, 20 until about 23 or 24. And then I was like, man, you know what? Like, I need to... I don't know what else I'm going to do in my life, so I might as well go back to school and try and figure it out. And I was interested in, you know, traveling and different cultures and... yeah. Things like that. And that was what kinda of led me to anthropology and I had to focus in Latin America. Yeah. Um, because I really kinda of wanted to maybe relocate to Latin America and work with some sort of um nonprofit or something. Just like something I didn't want to just go back to business school and do that. I just after a few years of touring and being kind of a road hippie, I was like, I don't think I can
0: do go that back regular to life. Residency.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I certainly wasn't going to go back to military school after that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know but, if anybody you know, and, would want to do that, yeah. Yeah, but I, um, you know, it was, it was a really good time, too. I mean, I learned a lot about my own my own worldview, and, and, and I evolved a lot, I think, as a person and a thinker, and, and I became. And at the same time, I was also experimenting with, like, psychedelics and stuff with yeah. my friends. Yeah. And I think it, was, it kind of opened me up a lot and kind of, and then it kind of culminated in me studying abroad in Cuba. Yeah. And there I kind of like just fell in love with music again. I just ended Sequoia right before I went there. and I just got to be like kind of be doing music in a more of a pure way again. And I also was really influenced by this style of songwriting in Cuba called Cuba, Trovo, which is, Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like singer songwriter ish stuff, but yeah. it's like, very candid and a lot more I kind of learned to stop being afraid to say what I wanted to say and how I really felt and that was um so ultimately you know going to school I felt I was really trying to get away from music but it ended up kind of really helping me and it was in anthropology classes that I learned about the the concept of susto which is like a latin-american folk illness yeah like describe when someone has like a prolonged experience of um panic or something and um so yeah, it was I don't know. I got in, I was just trying to figure out what to do with my life and it ended up helping me like get back yeah. to the path I needed to be on, but you know, with kind of some new outlooks.
0: Well, it was, so when you you went to Cuba, you know, it's like you said you had this idea of almost never returning uh, back to America, just sort totally. of staying in Cuba and like you said you, you how did how did you meet the musicians there? How did all of a sudden you you sort of get immersed in this musical culture in cuba and then uh, how did the the album uh that you that you wrote uh vampires in havana come about when you were there
2: well i i had i already had a few songs that were ultimately on the first sisto album Yeah, i had already kind of recorded as demos because before i ended sequoia prep school i thought i was going to make another album yeah um and and so I started sh- so when I well, I guess it's a back up. When I first got there, like the very first night, I bummed a cigarette from this guy and we started talking and I and as much as I had kind of like DIY toured around the southeast and the midwest, I had never traveled internationally and I yeah, you know, you just you get somewhere and you try and find common ground with whoever you can. This guy was a musician, he ended up becoming one of my great friends, or still great friends and uh, and one of my biggest songwriting collaborators while I was there. Nice. Um but so I just kinda got lucky that the first people I started hanging out with were into music and had a band and I was like, Oh well I I, you know, I had a band and I started and they they, they got really they got really excited about it and it made me like excited about it because I think I just started to feel self conscious about the fact that I had achieved more success with my band. Yeah. Um and they thought I had achieved a lot of success. I was like okay. It made me kind of reassess and like kind of realize that I had done more than maybe I thought. And, um, and yeah, so we just started, I mean, I was there for about three and a half months the first time. And then I had to come back cause the program was over, but I went back again with the intention to, uh, to stay, but we kind of finished up the record. We had started, we start we recorded this vampires in Havana, like basically on like iPhone and like one, we did a couple of sessions in this extremely hot closet <laughs> recording studio that someone had I mean everything is like DIY yeah there, you know but um, and it's hard to even really call it an album it's almost more of a collection because we did what we could but ultimately like I ran out of money and I had to come back and yeah, I mean initially I thought I was gonna go down there and become like uh, a leftist revolutionary I mean that was my really you're gonna become I Che something like that you know <laughs> and then I re- just realized how Dumb and egocentric that even seemed like when I told my Cuban friends that they just laughed. They thought <laughs> it was hilarious. So that was like what I had envisioned myself doing, but um, <laughs> they they really helped. They really took me in and made me feel better about myself and about um, what I had done and what I could do. You know, they kind of encouraged me to get back because I, you know, I had recorded some songs from the first Sisto album already and I had showed them to them, like like Green Girl, yeah, and Friends Lovers. They were like, man, you need to go back and share these sounds with people and give this a try. I mean, they were like, you know, we don't, we can't go to America and do this. If we had your passport, we would be spending every second of every day trying to make this work. And that kind of made me realize that I was taking my position for granted and that I needed to go back and do, do it, you know, not just for me, but for people who couldn't do it, my friends.
0: Nice, nice, but uh, I, I take it you you took a lot from Havana. Havana means uh, a pretty good amount to you and
2: your your life, yeah, totally. I mean, i it, I don't know that I would be doing this right now. I don't even know if there would be a susto yeah. and if it wasn't for the time there, and the people that that took me in and helped me kind of rebirth
0: nice, nice. well, so so um, after the trip to Cuba, how did you go, you know, from being inspired as a musician again to recording the first Susto record? Did you just immediately come back and you know, uh, jump into it, immerse yourself into it? Mm. Pretty
2: much. I uh, I mean, like I said I I I had some demos already cuz we had released the last Sequoia Prep School album under the name Sequoia. Yeah. Um like in like 2010, I think, and then and we Toured on that for most of that year, and so it was around like 2011, 2012 was when I started going back to school. And in that time, I was like, just because it was something I did, and my friends were still involved, and I was still like recording, I just thought it would be just kind of personal stuff for me. I wouldn't really try and do anything with it. Yeah, so I already had a few songs started, and I had been collaborating with my friend Wolfgang Zimmerman who I still record and write with, and he yeah, I uh, worked with him with Sequoia too, and. And then my friend Johnny Delaware had just moved to Charleston from Austin, Texas. He was like from South Dakota, and he'd been floating around looking for a music scene to kind of get into, and yeah, and living. And we ended up living together and kind of like riding a lot together. And it was when I got back from Cuba. It was just like I, I started to focus on it more because I realized that it was like what I wanted to do and what I needed to do. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I kind of just hit the ground running with it and got the record finished. And then once I got it finished, I started kind of diy booking my own shows all over the country and trying to formulate a plan of how to get back out there nice no. and um yeah i just yeah went for it well like yeah.
0: you you mentioned you you've done a ton with wolfgang um and he's he's worked with you over you know the, from from the first album what has he meant to to susto and the way that you guys and you've made music since then
2: well he's i always refer to him as the ghost member (laughs) because even though he's never been a member of the touring lineup i mean he's played a handful of live shows with me like whenever i was in between drummers or whatnot but yeah he's 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 been involved with literally every recording that susto has ever released um i mean even like our cover of daniel like we did some of the recording of it in new york we came back and the work we did with him on it actually made the song pop and um and on the last album uh, it was produced by ian Sitchett, who um had just come off of working on golden hour with casey musgraves but i still really needed wolfie to be in the room so he played drums on the entire album you know we did a lot of pre-production together and even now like you know we are he has a little home studio that we've been working together in during quarantine and um yeah he's he's my closest collaborator um nice. even though not on the road yeah but i mean and it's it's also it's it's interesting because the band is really become two separate things it's like there's an approach that i take to the recording that doesn't mirror the live lineup and yeah the live band they all know that it's kind of how i prefer to work um
0: there's the live but, you know, and the there's touring also, split There's
2: also some crossover yeah yeah there's some crossover though i mean like like my drummer on the road marshall Hudson. actually today's his birthday but nice you know he's he's written songs for past albums he does all of our design work and all the album art and stuff like that and also you know plays drums on some of the songs like wolfie doesn't exclusively play in the studio i just kind of like to be more free in the studio of course in a way that the the road doesn't really allow you to to be
0: yeah Nice, nice. Well, yeah, like you said, you 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 recorded the album in Charleston, and uh, it it never seems like there's been a question where to record. You seem to be at at home in Charleston. Uh, ha- have you thought about recording outside, uh, you know, of of Charleston? Have you been, uh, you know, uh, pushed outside of Charleston?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and so actually. Um, I don't know maybe if this is out in the world as far as information but I, I did record my last album at uh echo mountain in asheville Oh, okay um which was a great experience uh, but but i did a t- i spent more time working on the record in charleston than i did at echo mountain we did a ton of pre-production like me working with wolfie yeah before we went up and actually met with ian because ian never came to charleston i just like i the last record was my first record label debut yeah and you know the the label was still kind of getting used to my style and how i did things
3: yeah
2: and the same for like my team so they really wanted to pair me with like a producer that was proven and um and it was great because we had a great experience with ian and ian played a lot on the record too which was really good and he and wolfie got along very well too um but you know that was i I definitely got kind of pushed to not record the record in charleston (laughs) um kind kind of by the label but also by like my manager and stuff yeah and i don't mind it because in some ways it was nice I was going through a lot of transition at the time like bandmates were leaving the band i was kind of solidifying this whole idea of like you know just because you're on the road with the band doesn't mean i'm gonna be comfortable being in the studio working with you Uh, because it was like I don't know because the lineup had changed so much you know it just was it's always been revolving these years and so it's been hard to kind of like for me to kind of manage people's expectations and stuff but so it was kind of good to get away from town to go up to because echo mountain is this this studio like in an old church and it's in asheville so yeah. it's like halfway between charleston and nashville so it was like a nice common ground between the folks in nashville that had a lot to do with the record and all of us in charleston but but, you know, at the same time, even though I enjoyed that experience, I've definitely decided to continue working on my new record, which I'm doing right now, like in Charleston, because it's just easier to, um, I'm just in a different phase of my life. Like yeah. right now, like I want to be with my wife and my daughter. And, um, so, you know, it, I definitely got, the, got the experience of recording elsewhere. And, nice. and you know, like I said, with with Daniel, the cover of Elton John we did, we recorded some of it in New York and that was fun. I've, I'd never recorded in New York before. and Yeah. Um, but there's it's kind of nice to be able to record here and work at you know a a more relaxed pace i think it's better for the creative process because if i go somewhere where i don't live it's like i know the time i'm in the studio and just it just has so much more pressure on yeah and i feel like that takes away from i guess the candidness of the not just the lyrics and the delivery from my part but also like Our ability to explore and really find the right interpretation of the song. It makes
0: it feel more like a a a job. You got you've got pressure. You've got things. I feel like I'm on the clock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love to ask uh, guests this question about their hometown. Um, And I've been I've been to Charleston a bunch. I lived in South Carolina for eight years. Um. Cool. Yeah, I was in Columbia. We'd go down to Charleston okay, all the nice. time. Yeah, uh, man.
2: New Brooklyn Tavern is where I cut my teeth playing on our stage Yeah, love, man.
0: A lot. A lot of my friends. A lot of my friends' bands play there. They. Uh. It's. It's a good place, man. It's a fun place. Um. But uh, if I call you up and I say, Justin, I'm headed to Charleston for the night. I need a place to eat. What's the, what's the place you're going to recommend to me above everything? That you're going to say you're going to have the oh, best food man. here. I know there's a ton. It's just like you said, there's a ton of places to eat in Charleston, but what would be your go-to?
2: Well, I mean, I it's hard to say. It really is hard to say because like there I have and there's tears, you know, there's like the place that me and my wife go on our anniversary and there's yeah. like places I go when we're taking a break from the studio like I um I think you know just and there's also ambiance that goes past just food yeah. and I, the one spot I tell everybody to go to is the Royal American
0: Royal American I, used, huh?
2: I I used to actually work in the kitchen there whenever I was starting um, Susto but it's not just a restaurant it's not like a fancy restaurant it's really a bar yeah a bar and grill as as they say yeah um but it, it's the premier live music venue downtown as far as like small local scene stuff if you want to like chance walk in on a great show and you yeah. have to pay five bucks to get in like it's it's the place to do it and it's like it's bar food but it's elevated a little bit and it's um and it's just a great atmosphere it's like nice you've got a great vi- like view of the bridge and the marsh and um and it's downtown and great porches and I don't know. It's also where I used to work, so it's kind of like my home. <laughs> so I would probably always suggest the Royal American.
0: I like it, man. I like it. Well, you know, I love, I love Charleston. It's a fantastic town. Uh, what, what's your favorite thing about Charleston, and and your least favorite thing? Because I mean, there there's always something that that irritates you about the place you live, but it's also fantastic. What would you say you like the most about Charleston, and the thing that irritates you the most about it? Hmm.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> Somebody's going to hear this, and I'm going to get... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get uh, but um, I don't know. I think, what, like, on a grand scale, one of the, the reasons I have loved living here, and not just me, but all my friends love living here, has always been the beach. Oh, yeah. And right now it's right now it's closed, and that's unfortunate because, you know, we were looking forward to spending the summer there with our
1: for baby, sure. and hopefully
2: we still will be able to. But, um, but the beach is definitely a big thing for me. I mean, it's not... I mean. I, I, probably the best thing is the community because now I've lived here for a long time and, you know, I, I feel so connected to the city and I love being a part of it and it's really, it really helped me make a career out of music just by being so supportive yeah. in my hometown, but so I think between those two things the beach and the and the community of people here Nice. Um, and then as far as what I don't like, I mean I mean, I'm born and raised in South Carolina, so I should be used to it by now but <laughs> It gets hot as Yes. Here sometimes, and uh, you know, you can complain about the bougie folks or the traffic and stuff like that, and all those things can be good and bad. I think traffic's good because it means that there's tourists in town and the economy is going well, and <laughs> you know, people may be a little bougie, but even the bougie people here, I, I find to be pretty nice. <laughs> um, but, but the heat, you know, it just it brings the mosquitoes, and it's, i don't know—impressive it, it makes me a lot more thankful for the ocean. So. But I think the heat's probably the thing. I See, that's the thing about Columbia, most, but,
0: man. It's even, you don't even have, you don't have an ocean. It's just the armpit of South Carolina, man. And it's it's so ridiculous in Columbia because you look and it'll be like 10 degrees hotter than everywhere in like a 50 mile radius around it. And you're just like, what? How is it? Why is it know, 110 man. here <laughs> and uh, 90 uh, you're everywhere
2: exactly else? Right. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't complain too much because there's definitely, at least we get the sea breeze. Yeah. But, um, it's still. I think it's, it, it's it's a it's a it's a statewide phenomenon. Oh yeah, maybe, that's for sure. So. Oh
0: yeah. Well, uh, w- one of my favorite things you guys released actually is the Susto Stories record. Um, cool. Because like I've always loved behind the music and storytellers, and obviously you know I hey, interview sure. people, so I enjoy it. But like I think it added another dimension as far as you just coming out and saying, okay, well this is this song, and this is why I wrote it, and Here's the story behind it, you know, and like yeah. especially like drug dealer, like you get, uh, you're like, oh, okay, so it's this fantastic idea. It's not actually, uh, it's some kind of, you know, there there's a there's a nugget of truth, but it's not, it's not obviously truthful. So like,
2: how did you get the right.
0: idea to write that or to make that album?
2: Well, honestly, we were. Um we, the, the, it was, we started releasing those songs, like, on YouTube yeah. before our second album had come out because, like, we had released the first album, and, like, when I released the first album, I had no team, no booking agent, no manager or anything. Yeah. And, like, once it started to get traction, I kind of put a team together, and the team was like, well, we need to wait and put the second album out once we kind of have the proper label and distribution in place so it can kind of have more of a fighting chance, which I'm really yeah. glad we did, but... In the meantime, we needed to be giving people more content. So They're like, "Well, why don't we just like kind of you start introducing people to the new songs and kind of talk about them a little bit through the series?" And um, if I had known at the time that it was going to end up living on Spotify or anything like that, I probably would have been a bit more—I don't know—just controlling over the content because at one point we did this story about Jaw Works, and like the story that we tell about it is completely not true, and I just <laughs> let the bandmates like tell the story basically because they said I was being too serious in the series and <laughs> nobody that said that is even in the band anymore. So <laughs> like I learned a lesson there, but, um, but with the, you know, like we just started, you know, we we're trying to give people some content yeah. to stay interested in the band while we were finishing an album and also kind of figure out how to put it out. So it was like, you know, it was it like on YouTube and that's actually how I met my current guitar player. Cause he was filming that series. And, um, and then when Johnny left to do his own thing, which that's kind of anybody who's been in the band and left, they kind of left to do their own thing. It's all been completely amicable. I'm yeah. still uh, still thankful to have all these people still in my life. And I've got great memories of them, but, um, but so, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it ended up after the, and i Day like cycle, after the end Day came out and the cycle went through. We were like, you know, people really wish that there was a more accessible way to listen to the story stuff. So we decided to put it out digitally on iTunes and Spotify and what have you. And, that's kind of the story of it. And, nice. And I, I, I'm thankful for it, too, because like you, I'm kind of, I've always been a big fan of storytellers and things like that. And Yeah. Um, I wish I had, so, sometimes I wish I had been a little bit more, like I said, like in control of curating how that went. But oh, for the most part, I'm really happy about it. And i was really happy to share the story about that drug dealer guy, too, and drug money. Cause yeah. it's like. You know, that, that, even though we got a little bit of money back, the pain and anguish he caused us, we were all so broke. And
0: he was well, that's like, so ridiculous. Tires yeah. Up. Why Why would right you now? do that's that? That's I
2: wrote the song. I, I literally wanted to just do harm to him, but I <laughs> wouldn't, I couldn't. So yeah. all I could do was write a song, and at least I could put that in the world. So.
0: <laughs> well, I, your most recent album, Since I Lost My Mind, uh, came out last year, and... Um, now between that and I'm fine today, there, there's a lot that changed in your life. You you got married and like you said, you had a kid, and um, those things obviously impacted your life a great deal. Um, do you think? I mean, I would say more of the marriage since that had a, uh, been longer than the uh, than your kid uh, being born. But do you think that had a big impact on your songwriting and your storytelling?
2: Yeah. But- Definitely. I mean, so, so technically, so my, my daughter, like uh, we had, we I actually found out we're gonna, I was going to come with dad like right after we had finished recording ever since the lost oh, my mind. Okay. So that's so my newer record that I'm working on now is going to probably reflect that more. But yeah, I had been married like between and I'm fine today, and ever since the lost my mind. But also that was kind of when touring really picked up. So it was like my wife and I like kind of started dating right around the time that the first record came out yeah um but i wasn't and and even though i was doing it i wasn't just having to be on the road like 300 days a year you know and like but yeah. with the, end the final day cycle we really went for it and we got a lot of great opportunities that we took all of them so it was like i was gone so much and i had just got to a point where i finally found someone who i love yeah. you know and who was like my best friend and also i was starting to feel really comfortable in my hometown and and so I think the the third record the most recent record ever since off my mind which is kind of a reckoning of um what my life had become like I had gotten everything I wanted um, but it wasn't it still wasn't a perfect balance yeah and um and I think there's a lot of that there's definitely a lot of um, themes of homesickness and kind of uh, reflection yeah I, mean, I think I like to work in like a dualistic type of way like. I like to have an album where I allow myself to kind of be very introspective mm-hmm. and think about how I'm feeling and then also like to have other collections of songs that are more about like me analyzing the world around me and what's going on and so yeah ever since I lost my mind was definitely the former of that with me kind of just looking inward and thinking about my own feelings and my own life and where I was and how I'd gotten there and nice. um, I'm glad to have gotten it out because it was a lot on my chest that I kind of needed to work through. And that's kind of what songwriting is for me. It's a bit of therapy. And Writing and recording and touring on that record was definitely therapeutic and was a big learning experience, too. So I'm, I'm feeling really glad to have done that. And also, like I said, it was my first label experience. So I've gotten to experience that and I feel a little bit more ready for everything else to come now
0: for sure well you you know talking about touring on that album uh you got to play the uh the legendary troubadour
2: um yeah was that your first time
0: playing the the troubadour
2: yeah you know we played we'd had great shows in la before and played some other like kind of smaller like pretty iconic venues but the troubadour is obviously up there just yeah as far as venues all around the world that you want to play yeah and that was a great night you know it was fun it was uh it was such a good time. I hope, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to getting back out to those places yeah. you know, when this is all done because we that was the last time we played in LA, even. And that was like, I think, like March of last year. So, it's, yeah. Um, but it was a great, I mean, that whole release tour felt really wonderful. We had, I don't know, it was a great album cycle. And I guess technically we would still be in it, but we probably won't play any more shows. Yeah. Yeah, Um, before the new record comes out, but um, who knows? We'll see. But
0: I feel like that's one of those venues, and it's 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 weird because actually, like the last couple of guests that I've had on the show have uh, have played there, and it was sort of their first time. But I just feel like that's one of those places that you feel the history in it when you go in there.
2: you, You stand on the stage, and you are well aware of like everybody that stood there before you. Yeah, and you know Elton John and you know just like the list goes on and on and on yeah and whenever I was playing there a lot of my friends from home were like sending me Wikipedia links and stuff all day just just in case I had forgotten (laughs) where I was at that night and what I had achieved yeah um they wouldn't let me in and it was really special and it was great too to know that my friends at home even though they weren't out you know life the show they were like just it was thinking about made it proud, yeah. You know? yeah and 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 it felt great and it was a wonderful show it was a wonderful crowd i love the crowd in los angeles but yeah yeah it
3: nice, great
2: and i hope get, the backstage there is so cool because you feel like you're in like a a tree fort or something <laughs> kind of the way it's laid out but
0: nice nice well uh, another uh, great thing actually on that same uh touring cycle there you you got to be on cbs this morning um yeah which which i mean that's that's some great publicity uh what was that like playing on cbs because i feel like that's that's a lot different than your normal uh you know venues
2: yeah it's a totally different experience and like we had done um different television stuff before but it was all like kind of localized that was our you know cbs is the the only national television we've done yeah um and we'd actually done it once before on the Ann on Farn Stay cycle. So yeah. I kind of thankfully knew a little bit what to expect. I still never know what to wear on television. And <laughs> I never and I just had my head my head kind of shaved before that. So I feel like I look back at that footage and I was like, God, what what am I who am I? <laughs> like I'm that but I was really happy with the way we performed and we had um, my friend Christina Cohn, who yeah. her, her band Francis Cohn was on tour with us and so she she came out and, and did a song with us too. And, and I was the folks at CVS both times we've been, have been just really wonderful nice. and great. And, you know, you get there, you're in, you know, middle of Manhattan and like, um, you know, you show up at like 7am and they get you and they do makeup and all this stuff. <laughs> and they're like helping you pick your wardrobe. And, uh, but you're like, you know, you're on tours, so you're like pulling like, uh, wrinkled t-shirts out of the bag and they're like ah oh, maybe let's we'll go with this one. but they're great it was a great experience and they um they kind of make you feel very comfortable and but you know as comfortable as you can feel because you know it's going to be on national television yeah and most people are going to see it and, but it was fun that was a great experience. it was really good to get to do it again on the yeah. um, on the last album cycle and you know hopefully we'll do more of it like we i was really thankful for I'm always really thankful for all those press outlets, you know, this included like people who want to talk about the music and help us share it because it's, uh, you know, it, it, it just helps us to elevate and continue our our journey you know?
0: for sure for sure well uh you mentioned it before but I guess the last question is as far as about um, songwriting uh how how far along are you in the process of the uh, new album and uh how you know I guess how solidified as far as its uh, shape and everything is it in right now
2: well um it's definitely well underway and I have a lot of songs already I mean I've already I've got probably 10 to 15 right now that are in the running, but I also don't want to just stop yet. I've got a lot of dates booked with Wolfie since, you know, we're kind of forced to be not on the road right now. Yeah, I'm kind of using my time otherwise, but I'm really not under a lot of pressure to put it out. Like, and I definitely don't think it'll come out anytime before next spring.
3: Okay.
2: Because I have a couple of supplemental releases I want to do. Like, just like you mentioned the stories album. Yeah. I had another, another album in between my first two records. It was like a live um, thing, and I kind of like to do these supplemental records. Because it's kind of like uh, carryover to the studio records, yeah. yeah. So I have a couple of things like that, special releases I'm going to put out in the meantime, and just kind of take my time. Like I felt like there was so much pressure, and maybe I put it even on myself with the last album, just because of the the newness and the and the changing situations with you know going from being unsigned to being signed and the band and stuff like that changing, but. Um, but this one, I just am in much more of a better place in my life and mentally. And so I'm just not, and also the label's not rushing me. They're, you know, they're being very cool about me taking my time and, and I'm just continuing to write. I've been obviously very inspired. I have a little, a little magnificent human being in my (laughs) life now that's running around and, you know, I play guitar with her all the time and she, she, she loves it. And nice. And it's, I'm just trying to enjoy the process instead of putting a bunch of pressure on it like I did last time. Because I feel like um, you know the you only get a chance to make so many records in your life, and it's not like you're always making a record. So I just want to like you know I want to have fun with this one and and make it interesting and and you know kind of let the the full v- vision of what what the thing will be kind of form itself in my mind without trying to like think too hard on it and just like squint my eyes and yeah what is this album what's the name of it what's this you know yeah it's all i have some pretty big ideas about it but we'll we'll see how they solidify and um nice yeah i'm just enjoying the writing and creating it's after being on the road the last year supporting the last record it's nice to be back in the saddle so to speak again yeah being creative and and having fun
0: switch gears switch gears get into a different groove I like it, man. Well, Justin, we are up against a break, man, but it has been awesome having you on the show. I want to thank you for coming on the show, man.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me and for all the thoughtful questions. I really appreciate you, um, you know, taking time to chat with me about everything and for uh, digging in.
0: Of course, man. Listeners, you can check out all things Susto at sustoisreal.com or you can follow him on Instagram at Susto. Right now, let's take a listen to Weather Balloons right here on the Doc G Show. and we are back here on the doc g show you just heard susto yes indeed that was their newest newest single there weather balloons what a jam what a jam right there such a such a nice guy justin osborne taking the time said some kind words there during the break so true very uh
1: thanks justin
0: yes yes indeed he's a super nice guy super talented guy Uh, You know, I compared his voice, and it was an exaggeration. I felt like he, well, I mean, he was really uh, flattered that I said it, but I really do feel like when you listen to his voice, it's this amalgamation of Kurt Cobain, Kevin Kinney from, from Driving and Crying and Chris Martin from Coldplay. Like, it's this... Dang! Look at that. Like, well, I mean, you know, it's Ooh. it's a little bit of each. I'm not saying like yeah. he's better than all of those people, but it's like no, this. Like, there's just a good mixture. I was because like I said there when I first heard his voice, that's what I was like. I was like, what does it remind me of? And these things hmm. just started flipping up. Those were the those were the ones that came to mind when I was thinking about it. Yeah! Right. But right. but uh Dave he recommended in Charleston that we hit up the
1: Royal American.
0: That's right. He used to he used Man, to I- work there, the Royal American. Um, I
1: was. I didn't go there when I visited.
0: Ah, uh, man! I've been. You know, I've been to Charleston so many times, and yeah, I haven't eaten yeah. there. They got. I mean, they've got awesome, awesome places to eat. There's places all over Charleston that are amazing, man. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, whew, it is. It's a, hard to bet. Ba- well, I mean, there, you remember yeah. that was that was on uh, uh, Rich, Rich's top three of best meals of all time yes! was in. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, the Noki. The Italian Mm. Noki at uh, Fig. Fig was the restaurant. I've never eaten at Fig
1: either, but I messed up on that too. Yeah, but I could go for some Noki right now. Dang,
0: Noki's tasty, man. man. Noki sounds good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. tasty. One of the best Italian. So, what did he say to get from Royal American? He didn't. He didn't. But I took a I took a sneak peek at the menu, Dave, and Mm. they've got fried Mm. bologna sandwich. It's there. Oh, yeah, Southern treat right Classic. there. Yeah, they got they got a lot of Southern uh, Southern delicacies at the Royal American. So he said, you I know, I mean, he gave it the 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 thumbs up because it's a it's a great place to if you're looking for a great meal and a show. You're looking for live music. So when the mm-hmm. so when the quarantine uh, uh, is is released, that's where you need to hit up. You need to go there. Get your party on, you
1: know? Sweet. Thanks. We're in.
0: Thanks to Susto for coming on. Thanks to Justin. That was fantastic. Dave, it's time. Third birthday suit. All right. Uh, This one I think you got. I think you got. Um, It's a little bit before your time, but it's a pretty big name. So, all right. Born on April 29th, 1969, in New Orleans. Louisiana, 19, birthday 69. suit wear was the oldest out of five children. <coughs> birthday suit was always a hard worker, an entrepreneur. He ended up mm-hmm. getting a basketball scholarship to the University of Houston, but dropped out his freshman year and transferred to Merritt College in Oakland, California for a degree in business administration. Mm. While there, he opened a record store in Richmond, California, and he called the record store No Limit Records, which later became Mm -hmm. the name of his record label. In 1990, he released his demo tape, first demo tape called Mind of a Psychopath. He released his debut Mm -hmm. album uh, in 1992 called Get Away Clean. And then his second album came out right after that. In 1995, he started to see real success when he released his single, I'm Bout It Bout It. In 1995, he returned to New Orleans and started No Limit Records. In 1997, he released his breakthrough album, Ghetto D, with his hit single, Make D. 'em D. Say Uh. Oh! Um. Oh,
1: Master P. Yes, yeah.
0: Master P. All right. Make him say, oh, went triple platinum for five years. No Limit was one of the most successful record labels in the country. In addition, he started many other ventures. He manages Gucci Mane. Yeah, he's the... Oh, yeah. I not know that. Yeah, and uh, he also has, uh, has put... Uh, money into several other ventures like rap snacks. Have you heard of rap snacks? Have you heard of rap snacks, Dave? No. If you go into 7 into Eleven, you'll see some rap snacks, Dave. And okay, they're just different bags of chips with different rap artists on them. That's right. Oh, they sell. You can get Cardi B jerky, Uh, Cardi B jerk barbecue wavy chips. You can get. Migos with a dab of ranch chips. Word. You can get little boozy Louisiana heat wave chips. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. This is so bad. (laughs)
0: Doesn't make sense. If you came up to me and said, Hey, do you want to invest in these? I'd be like, no, those aren't gonna sell. But they sell, Dave. I'm not gonna lie, Dave. They, they probably taste good. So true. I probably... Probably, but... Probably good, but I mean, you know, just... I'm not going to invest in it. Just because Cardi B's on them, I don't want to get them. Just because, no, just because Little Boozy's no, on you. them, I'm not too interested. Nope. You know? No, not at all. Nothing against them, but I, I, you know, Cardi B. I don't think that's
1: not that doesn't bring me to want to eat something.
0: She's not the expert at jerk barbecue. I'm just gonna say Nope. I mean, right. if that offends her, I'm sorry, but I don't think she's the. Uh,
1: Have her prove us wrong. Yeah,
0: yeah. If she wants to come on the show and make her famous jerk barbecue sauce, yes! I'll I'll be blown away and I'll I'll retract my statement. I'll retract my statement. Right. But anyways, Dave, he is turning. What is that? The big 5 1. He turned 50 five last one. year. Master P turning 50. Master and Pete. he was such a baller, Dave. I didn't know at what a baller he was. Like,. Not only well, I did I
1: remember when Romeo was going to school, well, they na- would always bring up that he played college ball too. Well, now
0: his two younger sons, like they're apparently just balling outrageous. Yeah. Apparently, right before the uh, quarantine hit, Master mm-hmm. P mm-hmm. moved to Minneapolis to be mm-hmm. with t- his two sons, who were like on some kind of you know like private school.
1: You know, uh, like a elite team. Yeah, yeah.
0: Top flight program.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Master Dang. P. Well, he's like he's tall from what I remember. 6'4". four. So, Six four. Yeah. So. so you know he's got some good genes to to give.
0: Well, I mean, apparently, apparently, even I I didn't like look up like the background of this, but it said. Mm-hmm. While like you know they were super popular in No Limit Records it said in his wikipedia that he had a mm-hmm. contract with the the <laughs> Charlotte Hornets War. for the preseason oh. but he didn't actually get on the team so oh. yeah i was like geez crazy
1: crazy it's Anyways, like actual baller
0: yeah apparently apparently actual baller man Happy birthday to Master P, Big 5-1. There we Happy go. Happy
1: birthday, sir. Enjoy. Make them say,
0: uh! Uh! na na na. I love that jam. Gets
1: you hyped. Me too.
0: Doesn't make much sense as far as the lyrics, but you're like, who cares? I'm getting psyched. I'm gonna say, uh. That's
1: all that matters. It
0: doesn't matter. Uh, Dave, this is the point of the show where I tell you about the awesome shows. We got some awesome it shows. It is. Next week, we've got the fantastic Hiss Golden Messenger. Fantastic. Uh, MC Taylor, such a good artist. Very interesting career, Dave. He actually, and I'm going to talk to him about this. He actually, he was in a punk hardcore band in the 90s while he was in college. Hmm. And Jack Johnson, yes, that Jack Johnson made a documentary Uh about his band before Jack Johnson really got into music. Wait, what? Yeah, What?
1: yeah, it's
2: crazy.
0: Wow.
1: It's crazy. Interesting.
0: Yeah, it's weird. And the documentary still up on YouTube. You can go watch it. I watched it just the other day, and I was like, man, this is a weird band. That's uh, intense. That's cool. <laughs> and and it's so funny because like MC Taylor, like he's an intense dude, but his music mm-hmm. isn't like you know hardcore or anything. Nope. And Jack right. Johnson's the most laid back, relaxed music you've ever heard in your life. And, and then you watch this documentary mm-hmm. and it's all like, ow, oh, serious and hardcore punk and skateboarding, and you're like, really? These two dudes? Were. All right. Guess so. Yeah. Well, that's them yeah. now. That's them. Uh, then the week after, we have got a fantastic band, A Thousand Horses, Dave. Yes! A thousand Ooh. horses, yeah. Big time country rock band right there out of Texas. Can't wait to talk to these guys. Going to be fantastic. Going to be fantastic. Then we've got some others in the work. Again, of course, I'm working on them. No spoilers. Don't want to. Yeah, don't want to. Don't want to throw it out there prematurely. Don't want to pre me, Dave. Ew. No sir.
1: Oh. Want
0: to make sure that we get it locked down before I give it out. But I got to wrap it up for this show. I've been your host, Doc G, with me as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Say what?
1: Guys, it's been another great Wednesday. and We'll see you next week. Be safe, wear your protection. Woo! Woo! You know, Stay safe. PPE, dog. Social distance. Social
0: distance. Until next time, guys, zip it up and zip
1: it out. Zippity-doo-dah.